I'm Ed Ronco, and this is the Up North Lowdown from Interlochen Public Radio. It's Pride Weekend in Traverse City. We'll talk this week with Anna Dituri, president of Up North Pride, about why the week matters and the climate for LGBTQ people in northern Michigan. Plus, a look at some of the week's headlines. But our first story this week is about a difficult moment we will all encounter someday and the people who work to make it easier. When the end of someone's life approaches, they or their families sometimes opt for hospice care. Part of that involves helping the person who is dying through the end of their life, but it's also about helping their loved ones deal with one of the hardest things any of us can experience, and it is hard work, important work too, and not enough people are doing it. The healthcare organization McLaren Northern Michigan just announced it is shutting down an eight-bed hospice facility in Sheboygan. Part of the reason is a lack of staffing, and that has people concerned about the future of another facility in Petoskey. IPR's Michael Livingston has this story about a group that's fighting to make sure it does not close. September 25th is the birthday of Amy Jansen's mother, Dale. It is also the day we're sitting in Amy's house in East Petoskey, where Amy says she's been thinking a lot about her mother's final days. Dale suffered from a rare form of dementia for years, and at first they tried to take care of her at home. My father has neuropathy, so he only has about 5% balance in his feet, does an incredible job and took great care of her, but her care just became um, too difficult for him and um, our entire family. So Amy's family decided to place her in a residential hospice care. Dale lived out her final days in the Highland Cottage Hospice House of Petoskey, a white and yellow building with large windows and flower gardens out front and tall trees in the back. Amy says watching her mother slowly die was devastating, but she had comfort in knowing that Dale was in good hands. She was there for five months, and and they have these beautiful windows with bird feeders, and she just loved to sit there and watch the birds all day. Um, she was nonverbal at that point, and the staff was so, just took so much care in really trying to understand her needs um, when she couldn't communicate them. Hospice is typically offered to people with terminal illnesses. It prioritizes comfort and reduces suffering, not just for the patient, but also for their loved ones. Amy says Highland Cottage gave her family the right space to love and grieve when the time came. I have uh, three teenagers and an 11-year-old, so these are young children that were watching death over many years um, really close up. And there is, there is trauma when you watch someone you love die. And so the ability to just give children a little breath from that um, is maybe one of the most powerful services that the Highland Cottage does. Highland Cottage is owned and operated by McLaren Northern Michigan, but it was built in the early 2000s thanks to grassroots funding. Last week, McLaren announced a different eight-bed hospice facility in Sheboygan would be closing indefinitely in October. McLaren Health Management Group declined to do a full interview, but said in a statement the decision was made due to difficult post-pandemic challenges, including widespread staff shortages, rising expenses, and reduced funding and reimbursement. The patients and staff that were already in Sheboygan Hospice House are set to transfer to places like Highland Cottage or other community-based services in the region. 
but a group of Petoskey residents are concerned that Highland Cottage will eventually meet the same fate as the Sheboygan facility. Well, we really want to, to work with the hospital and uh, you know, create a, a community-based hospital that, that has a great reputation and, and a tremendous amount of, of support. That's David McBride, a local business owner and a representative for the Friends of Highland Cottage Hospice. For the past few months, the group has been requesting an audience with McLaren Northern Michigan Board of Trustees to explore more sustainable ways of funding Highland's future. How can we work together as a team with a hospital to not only financially support that with a hospital, but also build goodwill in the community? And that's all we've tried to do for the last nine weeks. But McBride says McLaren executives have not been responding to requests for a meeting. To be clear, no one with McLaren has publicly said if closing Highland is on the table. The September 22nd statement says future decisions will occur, quote, with the coordination of community caregivers and leaders. When asked specifically about a decision to close the Highland Cottage, a McLaren spokesperson declined to comment further. With little information to go on and a lot of concern about the future, McBride's group is trying to rally the community. We already have 203 letters, and that doesn't even include the ones that are online. That's Louise Graham, a former president of the Hospice of Little Traverse Bay, the group responsible for raising money to build the Highland Cottage in the early 2000s. She's been collecting signatures for a letter calling on McLaren to keep Highland Cottage open. It's imperative that we have a home, a a house, to give the proper care to people um, that aren't able to die in their homes. Moving forward, McLaren says it will prioritize outpatient hospice care. That's when staff will visit patients in their homes rather than admitting them in a residential care facility. And on a national scale, that's how the majority of hospice care is provided, according to data collected by the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. But McBride and Graham say it's important for people who need constant attention to at least have the option for inpatient care. People like Wendy Gray, who died at Highland last year after battling terminal cancer. Her husband, Sean, lives in Harbor Springs. He says his family tried to keep Wendy at home, but it eventually became too big of a burden. We had a weekly calendar at home where friends would come in for three or four hours just so I could take a break. Wendy's passing is still difficult to talk about, but Sean says he's still indebted to Highland Cottage. Until you've been through it, it's, it's very tough. And I was just... Telling someone I couldn't imagine her dying at home uh, with what we went through at the hospice house when she passed away. But um, being able to come and go there 24 hours a day, the nursing care 24 hours a day, um, the staff was incredible. McBride says the letters of support his group collected will be presented to the McLaren Northern Michigan Board of Trustees before its next meeting, which is not public. They're going to stand in front of McLaren Northern Michigan Hospital in Petoskey with signs in a support rally for the hospice at 2 p.m. on Sunday. IPR's Michael Livingston, reporting in Petoskey. The Lowdown returns in just a moment. Twenty years ago, Matt Parker needed a change. He was 22, fresh out of college, a bit lost. It was time to pick a path, or in his case, a trail. And I just started thinking, like, what if you learned something that you 
you don't really know an awful lot about. Like, what if you trained yourself? What if, you know, like, could you ride a horse? Could you ride a horse across to Michigan? And within an hour or so of sitting through it and going, you know, I, I was like, I, I could do this. And then he decided to ride even farther. Next time on Points North, Ride of Passage from Michigan Radio. The coming of age story of a man who rode horseback coast to coast. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Up North Lowdown. I'm Ed Ronco. When Pride events began in our country, they began as protests. On June 28, 1970, the first anniversary of the landmark gay rights uprising at the Stonewall Inn in New York City, thousands of people marched to commemorate that. They did it in Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, all demanding equal treatment. Marches followed in the years to come, and they grew. The history of such demonstrations in Traverse City, Michigan, might be a little shorter, but no less robust. Up North Pride, as an organization, got its start in 2014 during a meeting at the Little Fleet, a collection of food trucks and a bar in downtown Traverse City. The group's website said it was a mother of four who brought up the idea, wondering why there was no Pride Festival in town, and saying she wanted to raise her kids in a community that celebrated diversity. Today, the organization puts on events throughout the year, but the centerpiece happens this weekend with a visibility rally, a march, and on Sunday, an event called the Big Gay Brunch. I spoke with Up North Pride President Anna DeTuri about how she sees Pride events and about the climate for LGBTQ people in Traverse City. But we began with one idea that is central to everything her group does, visibility. Visibility is exceptionally important in northern Michigan, where folks often feel marginalized. It is really important to show up for our neighbors and show support and solidarity for anyone in northern Michigan that is feeling excluded. When it comes to people with LGBTQ plus identities... Why is visibility important? What does what does having that visibility provide? Solidarity, support, knowing you're not alone. So many times members of the community grow up, myself for example, not seeing enough people like myself and believing that we are different and that we're not fitting in. And it really does just come down to visibility and accessibility and knowing that we all exist at different um, capacities and different, we just look different and we all are the same in some way. We're all connected. And so why are we focusing on our differences when we could be standing together and showing support for one another. I was a high school kid in the 90s. And in that time and in that place, which was suburban Detroit, I I can't imagine uh, having been out then. And there have been a lot of advances in LGBTQ rights in the last several years. But I know there are also some big issues still to face. How do you feel we're doing here in northern Michigan? 
in the state of Michigan, we're very lucky to have the leadership that we do, have the control of the legislative chambers that we do, because as we are seeing across the rest of the country, places that don't have that control are just being desecrated when it comes to queer rights and to SLGBTQ plus community rights and protections. So we are very lucky in Michigan, but I don't take any of that for granted because it could change at any moment. A lot of Pride events around the country traditionally happen in June. Here, it's obviously right now in the fall. Why, why is that? Yeah, so we do have some events in June. Um, we do like to call out the fact that it is like the National Pride Awareness Month. Our Pride Week occurs in October and has for the last couple of years. Um, originally, it started the delay due to COVID. We kept postponing it to make sure that it was at a time of year that we could safely engage with the community. Um, And then we realized that it was working out really well because most of the vendors that we use for our programming are busy in the summer months with constant weddings and (laughs) constant parties that happen in Northern Michigan, like on the regular. And then most importantly, Pride is a year long event. What do you hope people take away from a Pride event, especially if they've never been before? Enjoyment. (laughs) I... I am uh, an introvert. I am pretty quiet and I social events can be draining for me. But being in that space with people, it was worth the hours I was there. They passed so quickly. And so having that like back to back to back and seeing different people and having people recognize each other just from being within this community is really amazing. So if that's what people take out of it is a friendly face and somebody that just says hi and speaks nicely to them, that's absolutely all that I would want. Anna Deturi, president of Up North Pride. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I hope to see you at some events this week. Anna Deturi is the president of Up North Pride. Learn more about their events on our website, iprnews.org. Let's find out what else is news here in Michigan this week. The largest healthcare provider in northern Michigan has announced some big changes. Munson Healthcare is consolidating inpatient services to regional centers and expanding outpatient care at rural facilities. Munson's announcement points to post-pandemic challenges like staffing issues and inflation. They say it will also bring improved specialty care like oncology and cardiology. The nurses' unions in Manistee and Traverse City have both said they want more details but have initial concerns about the plan, especially around the level of care in rural areas and reliance on virtual appointments. Republicans in the Michigan legislature are suing over two voter-approved constitutional amendments, one from 2018, the other from 2022. The measures allow for early voting and no-excuse absentee ballots. The objection is not so much to those ideas, but the route they took to become law. Those suing argue that the measures needed to go through the legislature, too. 
Archery season for deer starts this weekend. The herd in northern Lower Michigan is doing pretty well, according to the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. And DNR officials say there are some good bucks out there. But they are encouraging hunters to target does this year and help manage the population. Finally, more than a quarter of young adults in Michigan plan to leave the state within the next decade. That's according to a new study by the Detroit Regional Chamber and business leaders for Michigan. It sampled 600 people between ages 18 and 29. Michigan is 49th in population growth, and Governor Gretchen Whitmer has launched an effort to try to change that. That's it for the Up North Lowdown this week. We had a contribution from Michael Livingston. Our producer is Max Copeland. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Ed Ronco. We have just come to the end of the first full week of official fall, but it has felt more like summer here in northern Michigan. This weekend, it's supposed to be 80 degrees. This might be our last little bit of that for the year, so we thought that we would leave you this week with the sounds of an incredibly pleasant afternoon paddling around Torch Lake. Thanks for listening. Get outdoors if you can, and have a great week. Oh, look, there's a little crayfish. You found one? Yeah. Right? It's near the end of my paddle. It's really? Did you see got little claws. Oh, yeah, I saw, yeah. <laughs> He's never good at He's really small.